Hello and welcome to Pediapod for April 2020. This month, hair cortisol concentrations as a measure of chronic stress in preschool children. There's a growing body of evidence suggesting that early life stress can have detrimental effects on several aspects of a child's physical and mental health. Hair cortisol concentrations are increasingly accepted as a cumulative measure of stressful experiences, but they're understudied in preschool children. In order to uncover factors associated with hair cortisol concentrations in this demographic, Professor Karmaljeet Anand from Stanford University School of Medicine and his team took hair samples from a cohort of children aged one to four years and collected data on psychosocial and demographic factors. I started my conversation with Professor Anand by asking how he became interested in early life stress. I am very interested in childhood stress. This started while I was at Oxford. This was in the early 80s. I was studying babies undergoing surgery. At that time, it was thought babies don't have much of a stress response to surgery. But when we measured it, it was a huge response they had to surgical operations. So we asked the question of whether giving potent anesthetic would make a difference. Um, And three randomized control trials were done, and they all showed the same thing, that if you give proper anesthesia to babies, the stress response is reduced and uh, their complications are also reduced. And so that's when I moved to Boston Children's Hospital and studied babies having cardiac surgery. And we found that if a stress-free anesthetic is given to babies in cardiac surgery, their mortality and morbidity and ICU stay are reduced. But for 25 years, I was puzzled about how do we study the stress that the child has experienced throughout the entire hospital stay. And so that's when we hit upon this marker for chronic stress, which is called hair cortisol. Right. So this is an assay that you developed that measures the cumulative stress that a child experiences. Yeah, absolutely. Hair grows at about one centimeter every month. We felt that the part of the hair that is closest to the scalp for about two or three months um, would be able to represent the cumulative stress that this child has experienced. We published this approach to measuring hair cortisol in December 2015, but the assay development had been going on since 2010. So you have this very sensitive and precise assay. And now let's turn to the paper that we're here to discuss today. You you use that assay to look at the hair cortisol concentrations in in preschool children. Tell me why you were looking at that demographic. Sure. Soon after birth, a baby's brain is growing very fast. It grows at about one milligram a minute. It's this early period that sets into place their trajectory for mental, physical, cognitive, behavioral development for the rest of their lives. And so if there is stress during that period, children will carry the marks of that stress for the rest of their lives. It's almost surprising that we don't already know a lot about the cumulative cortisol levels in preschool children, given the importance of that, you know, as a window of development. I agree. It's really important that 
chronic stress early in life needs to be assessed not only using subjective measures like surveys or assessments in a psychology laboratory or things like that, but objective measures which actually look at what the child is experiencing, how the child is processing these things. And the hair cortisol is a powerful objective biological measure which has relevance for the child's future health and development. Very quickly, tell me about the experimental setup and what exactly you were asking. So in order to do this research, we forged a collaboration with the Urban Child Institute in Memphis, and they had launched the CANDLE study, where CANDLE stands for Conditions Affecting Neurodevelopment and Learning in Early Childhood. This is a, a birth cohort where mothers were recruited in the second trimester of pregnancy. About 1,500 mothers were recruited. And when their children were born, those children were followed up from birth until now they've been followed up till seven or eight years of age. So at the time when I was in Memphis, these children were going through their one-year, two-year, and three-year um, visits uh, to the clinic where a number of um, measures were done on their learning behavior, as well as surveys to the mom uh, to ask them you know, about the home environment and other conditions. So during this clinic visit, we trained our research assistants to get a small hair sample. Once we had accumulated hair samples from about 700 children, we analyze them for hair cortisol. So, so let's talk through your results then. First of all, how did the, the hair cortisol concentration change with age? We found that um, children who were one year old had higher levels uh, than children who were two and three and lower still at four years of age. And is that because being born is particularly stressful? I think it's a combination of baby coming into this world and having to deal with the environment and the unpredictability of the environment. But it also is to do with the developmental processes that are going on in terms of the child's adrenal cortex, as well as the regulation of cortisol secretion through the hypothalamic and the pituitary axis arguably the most important associations in your results was the association between cortisol concentrations and the racial differences. Certainly, we were quite surprised. Children who belong to black or African-American families had much higher cortisol levels, and they did not see the developmentally expected decline in hair cortisol across their childhood to some extent uh, reflecting socioeconomic status, but there were several other factors that played into these racial differences. We found at one year of age, the cortisol levels were slightly higher in girls than in boys. I don't know why that is, but that is an interesting finding. We also found at two years of age, the mother's self-esteem and socioeconomic adversity had a big impact but also that children who were at risk for developmental delay were more likely to have higher stress 
as reflected in their cortisol levels. And, you know, throughout uh, childhood, we found that if you had a stressful beginning, then that was likely to predict higher stress response at subsequent ages. So it seems that these children are set off on a trajectory where their HPA axis becomes hyperreactive to the environmental stressors. So I think what we are seeing here is the sum total of the background for the child's family, as well as their neighborhood effects, uh, their effects um, you know, on the mother uh, through socioeconomic conditions or the mother's mental health. That is most likely to explain these racial differences. Do your results suggest any areas where interventions might be possible? So I think maternal self-esteem and maternal mental health are certainly things that we can change. And also what we can help with is if there are early developmental delays, then we can give the child some enrichment in order to overcome those developmental delays and thereby reduce their chronic stress. So that every child, regardless of what psychosocial factors occurred in their preschool years, has the best possible potential when they finally reach school age, uh, when they are five or six years and they're entering the school system, we want every child to have the best possible opportunity to reach their maximum potential. How are you following on this work? Following from the Candle study, we have launched a much bigger study in the Silicon Valley where we are in the process of enrolling 1,200 children and their families into this hair cortisol study. In this study, we are also collecting samples of hair from the mothers so that we can quantify what kind of stress the mother is experiencing and how that influences the chronic stress that the child is experiencing. So, so I guess you're quite confident now that this is a, a, a good objective measure of early life stress. Presumably, you're not intending it to replace all of the other methods of collecting data about a person's early life. Certainly not. This will supplement and help to identify factors in the child's social ecology um, that can be modified and um, uh, thereby help with the child's future development. That was Professor Karmaljeet Anand from Stanford University School of Medicine. And that's it for this episode. Join us again next month for the next edition of Pediapod. I'm Jeff Marsh. Thanks for listening.